And welcome back to the Municipals. Uh, we're doing debates today. This is the 2023 mayoral debate part two. Uh, welcome everyone that's here. Uh, Philip will be joining us uh, shortly. And also joining me is Jennifer Alexander from the Etobicoke Voice. And uh, with me are candidates uh, Erwin Snidgens, yes, Kiri Vadavelu, Chris Langenfeld, and Nia Singh. Welcome. And uh, by order of appearance, Erwin, you were here first, so I open the floor to you for your two-minute introduction. Go ahead, sir. The floor is yours. Well, thank you very much uh, for uh, giving this uh, platform an opportunity to uh, hear our voices, uh, especially when you have 102 people that have registered. And uh, I'm really uh, quite pleased to be able to uh, present my uh, credentials. And uh, one of the reasons I think that uh, I should be mayor of uh, the city of Toronto. My name is Erwin Snidgens, and I basically uh, is running to make a difference for people with special needs, whether they're physical, mental, or financial. And I think uh, that encompasses a lot of people uh, in the city and uh, financial, as well as giving you sort of the uh, wherewithal to be able to have the peace of mind that you can actually afford a house or buy some food, et cetera. So affordability is very important. So why why would you vote for me? Because I want to make a difference uh, with people with special needs and general needs. So, and I want to be able to uh, uh, let you know that I'm not a, really a talker. I'm more of a doer. I, I've done things all my life. I've accomplished uh, many things that, like a patent educational software that enables people to learn uh, 32% better in uh, dynamic real time because it gamifies that content. Then I took uh, my company public on the U.S. stock market. I basically am uh, the best-selling author. I've organized the Mount Everest expedition to climb Mount Everest uh, to be able to uh, raise international awareness and funds for a charity called Ret R-E-T-T Syndrome. Uh, that's what my daughter has, and that's why I resigned from Xerox after 18 years to actually put an expedition together to raise that awareness and add people like her. Okay, well, thank you very much, Uh so I want to be able to give you a little more information uh, later on uh, about affordable housing, the safety on the TTC. We want to revamp that and save uh, $1 billion. So vote for me on June 26th. Thank you. Thank Perfect. you. Right on two minutes. Nia, go ahead. Oh, I think you're muted. Thank you. Good day, everyone. My name is Nia Singh, and I'm your Toronto mayoral candidate. I'm 49 years old. I was born and raised to, in Toronto to immigrant parents. My father is from Guyana. My mother's from Bermuda. And I grew up in the city enjoying life. And as I got older, I started realizing things weren't as they seemed. Um, by the age of 23, I had already, for the first time, put my name into the realm of politics by running for city councillor in Scarborough, Malvern. I did that because in 1993, I opened a recording studio. And by 96, I was doing co-op placements for students. And they shared with me their challenges in school, with law, and with the criminal justice system. And I thought it was important somebody who understood the law and understood people um, bridged the gap between government and people. Um, after I ran, I realized that it wasn't good ideas that got you elected. It was actually money and volunteers. So I waited and I said I would rejoin the race in politics when I was older. 
When I reached the age of 36 in 2010, I re-entered and I put my hat in the ring for city council again in Scarborough uh, Rouge River. And again, I realized that people were voting along the lines of race and religion, and they weren't voting for the content of the person. So by 2018, after running federally, provincially for the Green Party and attempting to get the Liberal nomination, I ran for mayor and I finished 10th in, in 2018. The reason why I'm running for mayor is because I believe that my wide range of lived experience is able to represent the needs of Toronto. Toronto is the most diverse community in the world, and they need a mayor who's compassionate, understanding, thoughtful, but can also relate to all segments of society. Um, From my work with my recording studio, I've been in touch with people who have challenges in life. And through my legal work, I've been in touch with the high academic circles. So I would like to represent the city of Toronto. I believe there are very few candidates who have the the breadth of experience and the recycled um, traditional career politicians have to be a real person. Thank you very much. Vote Nia Singh. Thank you. Uh, Chris, go ahead. Thank you, Matt. And thank you for putting this on. Uh, Good to meet you, uh, Jennifer. And to the people of uh, Toronto, I'd like to say I... I got into this because I started going to the police services board meetings after uh, the Sammy Yatim killing. And a couple of years later, John Tory joined that board. And I saw him working hard to uh, try and prevent the public from really having a voice uh, in their government, uh, beginning then with him uh, trying to bring back carding after uh, many people, including Nia and uh, hundreds of people from the public had uh, spent months finally getting the uh, board to change that. And so Tory was really pushing not only to bring back uh, problems like that, but really to eliminate the public's voice in their government. And that's uh, what led me to run against him in 2018 and again in 22. Uh, for those who don't know, I didn't win. Um, but uh, hopefully this time, I think we, we certainly need to, uh, changes here in our government. We need to have the people be able to have their voice heard. Uh, I started out my background in uh, accounting and business systems analysis, uh, installing and consulting on financial software and computer networks, and uh, setting up for companies like the Ontario Nurses Association, Hospital for Sick Kids, uh, Upper Canada College, and many others. And uh, And I've also, uh, since that, I did that for two decades. And then in the last uh, 20 years or so, I've been uh, a complete change of pace and been a carpenter and a uh, truck driver and bus driver and uh, uh, out there working. And and so I understand for all the working people uh, what the challenges out there are and, and what the issues that our government really doesn't deal with. I also took Mark Saunders to court for uh, his... uh, having instituted uh, searches at the police services board and had those declared unconstitutional. And um, so I believe I have the skills ready to make things better for the people of Toronto. And I believe thank, that's my time. <laughs> thank you so much, Chris. Uh, Kiri, go ahead. Uh, thank you, Matthew. Um, yes, uh, um, like all the candidates here who uh, proposed a really good uh, background and the stories, and then I, I do have my experience to share as well. Um, yeah, in the same contest, uh, my name is Kiri Vadivelu. Uh, I'm running to be an ex-mayor of Toronto. I'm a social justice activist and a member of Municipal Socialist Alliance, which ran about 10 candidates across uh, uh, across uh, Southern Ontario last October, receiving about 15,000 15, votes. 
I was the MSA candidate and received about uh, 1800 votes and uh, I'm the first Tamil Canadian to seek uh, mayor's office in Toronto. Um, I immigrated from Sri Lanka to escape a genocide of Tamils as a child and successfully resisted illegal eviction of my family at the Ontario Landlord Tenant Board during the 2020 emergency lockdown. I believe good housing is a human right. I'm a founding member of the Corporate Tenants Union and leading voice of Toronto Econ and committed mem <coughs> member of Justice for Workers. I was a shop steward in the United Steel Workers in Uni United Steel Workers Union, where I fought for better working conditions and was the recipient of 2019 Union Leadership Award. So, where we connect here, we all understand Toronto is in crisis, but we fail to understand that the crisis is the capitalism. So, it's a product. The problem we today we accumulated is the is a is accumulation of failed capitalist system. That's where socialist measures over solutions. Uh, MSA and I call for immediate uh, mass social housing construction, expropriation of young landlords, and free public transit. We seek to repair our schools and cut police budget by at least 50%. We demand a climate justice agenda, replacement of strong mayor powers with grassroots particip participatory budget process, and a steep taxation of, uh, of the big property, uh, properties of the big business and the rich. Um, why? Well, because there are many ways we can, we can we lift our city up, and one of the ways is to change the first thing too is to change the environment and we all know the environment plays a big role in how we respond to our social crisis and the capital crisis has really decimated the growth of our city and Mary, i'm running i i think i think that's been two minutes i i'm not exactly because we lost our timer but she's coming back um phil can you uh take over the timing just so i i perfect and then, uh, so we're going to get to our first category. I, I, I apologize for cutting you off. Um, Jen, are you, are you there? No. Okay. Phil, why don't you start um, with your, your questions? Uh, you can ask whomever you like, and then uh, we'll, we'll go from there. All right. Um, okay. So I'm going to be talking or asking about, affordable living in the city of Toronto. Uh, I think I'm going to start my first question for, uh, for my friend, Kiri. Um, so many parents in the city are worried that their children will not be able to live in the neighborhoods they have grown up in if they wish to do so. Many are worried that these kids will not even be able to afford remaining in the city. What steps will you take so that parents of kids entering high school in this September can be confident that these kids will still be able to live in the city and be comfortable in 10 years when they are 24? Good question, uh, Phil. And uh, I, think, I think that's a, that's a real dilemma a lot of our parents are going through. Uh, so what are we going to do? So that's where we are coming in to change the system that's keep, that keeps people at the bottom. That's failing working people. What we see right now is inequality is rising. And people are, uh, the rich are getting rich and the, and the poor are getting poorer. And the middle class is carrying the weight, is getting all getting hammered by all ends. And why? It's because the system favors those, the few who has the wealth, uh, uh, the capacity to accumulate all the wealth. So, so that's why we offer socialist solutions. For example, we, uh, we want to repair the schools. That, that is, that is not, that is not an, uh, that is schools is a need, is a most important part of our school education system. And to keep a school, uh, to, to defund the police is one of the ways for us to fund schools. And why? It's because school is essential. Policing is an, is an option. That's the problem we, today we have seen see is, is that our, we have money. Toronto has money, but the priorities are misplaced. 
And that's why our schools are underfunded. Our Iranian system is underfunded, which we all are paying the price. And our school system, that is really, really underfunded. And only the police is overfunded. So the kids, when they grow up, what we want to have is not only repair their schools, but when they grow up, they have jobs and they have a healthy place to live. And what that, that's why we wanted to, we, we are advocating for maximum funding for mental health care. Because what, what's our youth right now struggling? A lot, a lot of them are going through a mental health crisis. And, and that's not even a planning issue. That's, that's not even a priority issue the city, at the city level right now. And that is- 30 really, seconds, Gary. That is really uh, devastating. And we are failing our youth and we, we are failing our parents. And that's why we are here to change the, to change the system from the bottom up. Oh, you're, you're on mute, Philip. Sorry, my bad. Uh, I'm thinking uh, if we've got four people, it might be best, you know, for our format, if we ask two, two people per question and then get to the open debate, does that make sense to you, Matt? No, no, because no, no, that's the reason we did it this way. Uh, we, we asked okay, the question okay. and then they can address it in the, in the uh, four minute open floor debate. Okay. Okay. Um, so I'll, I'll ask my second question to, uh, to Erwin. Uh, half of the residents who live in the city rent and the majority feel ignored <clears throat> by many on city council and city staff. This is a big issue for tenants in the inner suburbs that are surrounded by very strong homeowner associations who are louder and more connected to city politics in many cases. What is your plan to support tenants in this city? Well, thank you. That is, that is a, a, a tough question. It's been an ongoing question for a long time. That's one of the reasons that I'm actually running because I believe I have a very good solution for this. And it requires uh, a coalition, a co-op coalition of people that are advocating for affordable housing and healthcare. Healthcare has to be mixed up with affordable housing. So I want to have a coalition, a co-op coalition, and then basically that coalition would be able to partner up with private uh, enterprise and also with government. So my whole thing is be able to come up with what I call uh, a Toronto Affordable Housing Bond. It's a $1.8 billion bond that we will use to basically manufacture about 36 affordable thousand affordable houses per year. We're going to be putting that mag, what I call a mega factory. It's just like Tesla with their mega factories. We're going to use one for affordable housing. So we're going to put that in Downview and uh, it's one, mil, one million square feet with, and we're bringing the robotics and AI to be able to build that 36,000 homes. So what are we going to do with these homes? Well, we're going to be putting those homes in the backyards of the 243,000 lots that are in the city that have space enough for a small one-bedroom, two-bedroom, three-bedroom home. And these bedroom homes are about basically anywhere from 54,000 to 130,000. And that will be put in the backyard. The owners of that particular property would be getting the rent, and then we would be paying off. The, through the interest, basically the, the cost of putting that affordable housing in the backyard. So what you're going to have is basically maybe a hundred thousand places within three years that people can move to. 30 seconds, Erwin. The next thing to do, we're going to revamp the, the Toronto community housing. 
So we want to make sure that all those people are, are, are have a, a up-to-date sort of modern sort of uh, facilities. So we're going to be building a 12-story, 20-story sort of housing units, take the people from the old places, put them in the new ones, and fix up the old ones, and leapfrog all the way through it. That's how I'm going to address sort of affordable housing. And the second thing, we can make second uh, stories, we can make four stories and the lots. So that means people can build their house in the second four stories and they will be, the kids will be able to live there. Thank you so much. Before we go to the four minute um, open floor debate, another uh, candidate is joined. I just want to give her her two minutes to introduce herself and then we'll get to the uh, the open floor debate. Uh, joining us is Bahira Ad- Abdul Salam. Uh, if you want to introduce yourself, you have two minutes and uh, and then we'll we'll proceed. Hi, how are you? Uh, my name is Bahira Abdul Salam. I am uh, uh, a candidate for the mayor of Toronto. I uh, have a PhD in civil and structural engineering from uh, the University of Sherbrooke in Quebec. <clears throat> and I'm uh, specialized in advanced composites for repair and rehabilitation for buildings and infrastructure. I also uh, worked as a, as a college professor for four years in Ontario, and I'm a small business owner. I'm a mother for three boys, and I represent parents in our area uh, at TDSB. And I am uh, uh, representing uh, um, like the category of people who are immigrants and uh, uh, minorities, uh, I believe that we need more and immigrants to be involved in uh, politics uh, and people of color and also professionals. And I consider myself uh, from the working class people. And I believe that the working class people need to be in power because they know uh, the challenges they have. And uh, we have a lot of solutions in our city. Thank you. Thank you so much. And now I'm going to open the the four minute uh, open floor debate. Uh, I'd like to start maybe either with Nia or Chris, since uh, uh, those questions were asked to the other two candidates. I'd love to hear anything you want to say on the, on Philip's questions. Thank you, Matt. I don't mind starting. Can the two questions just be repeated so we can be refreshed as to what they were so we can have the debate? Uh, yep. Sorry. Give me one second to uh, to get that going. And before so, Phil uh, reads that, just I'm having camera problems here, unfortunately. So I'm I'll just have to speak. That's fine, uh, Phil. I've got I've got it in I've got it in front of me. If you don't. Oh no, I got it now. Oh, okay. So the first question is about. Um, you know, long-term affordability. Many parents in the city are worried that their children will not be able to live in this in the neighborhoods that they've grown up in if they wish to do so. Many are worried that these kids will not even be able to afford remaining in the city. What steps will you take so that parents of kids entering high school in September can be confident that these kids will still be able to live in the city and be comfortable in 10 years when they are 24? That's question one. And then the second question is, half the residents who live in the city rent and the majority feel ignored by many on city council and city staff. This is a big issue for tenants in the inner suburbs that are surrounded by very strong homeowner associations who are louder and more connected to city politics in many cases. What is your plan to support tenants in the city? Okay. 
Well, first of all, with long-term affordability, um, our problem rests with the provincial government. If I were to be telling people I would do this as mayor of the city of Toronto, um, it would be a bit disingenuous knowing that the problem lies with the rent control legislation. But what I do know I can do as mayor is ensure that the residents of Toronto have a strong voice and that they let Premier Ford know that they will not vote him back in if serious changes do not happen. Um, it's important that the city of Toronto use its political power, its political will, and its presence as the biggest city in Toronto, the fourth I mean, in Canada, fourth largest in North America, to sway how the policies happen. Um, we are too focused on being recipients of orders and recipients of circumstance rather than the decision makers and the guiders of how we want our society to be. So definitely it's a, a serious concern that children won't be able to own homes. Um, one of the major things we can also do, and me as mayor, um, is instruct the TDSB to ensure that there's financial literacy courses as part of TDSB curriculum. Now, I know, again, this goes back to the provincial education and, and their focus on curriculum, but there's no reason why the City of Toronto and the Toronto District School Board and the Catholic District School Board can't ensure that takes place, because then it'll allow children to know the value of money not fall into consumerism as much, and they'll have more uh, credit and financial dollars to work with when they do go to purchase their home. Um, in regards to the second question about residents uh, feeling ignored, what's the plan to assist in the terms of rent? As a criminal defense lawyer, I'm very familiar with the judicial system, and I'm familiar with the backlogs and how they take place. Right now, we have huge backlogs at the landlord and tenant, tenant, landlord and tenant tribunal. I would lobby the Ontario judicial system, the Chief Justice of Ontario, to provide more funding and allocate more resources to Toronto specifically for landlord and tenant issues. And as a former law student, I would encourage the law schools in Ontario to supply their students with training on landlord and tenant issues so they can actually volunteer as part of their course selections on landlord tenant issues. Um, there is a game being played by landlords right now, unfortunately, where they are kicking people out. They call it rent evictions. They're telling them to leave so they can replace their families, but then they're just renovating to uplift the rent. Uh, but there's also a game that tenants play where they know that once they rent a place and stop paying rent, it's going to take months to a year to get them evicted. So I would be in favor of streamlining the landlord and tenant tribunal process to protect both landlords and tenants. Thank you. Uh, anyone else can jump in, Chris, if, you, if you've got a response, I'd love to hear it. Uh, thank you, Matt. Um, yeah, I mean, affordability comes from supply and demand. So we have a huge demand now with all the people coming into this city. And uh, unfortunately, we don't have the supply and we don't really have the capacity to build it even. Um, but what I will look at uh, doing right now, we have a situation where uh, Toronto Council seems sort of surprised that... Uh, they approve uh, luxury condos and developers don't build apartment buildings. And of course, we know we have a shortage of apartments. So what I'll do is require that developers that put in an application to build a luxury condo, that's great. And they can make their huge profits on those. But if they want us to consider their application, they're going to also have to come up with a plan to build an apartment building at the same time. And then in both those units, apartments and condos, they're going to have to create uh, deeply affordable units uh, I suspect 5%, which works out to roughly one unit per floor, um, will, will serve our needs in this city. And I think that will uh, 
Um, obviously, if, other than uh, dealing with the federal government and their immigration policies, which we don't have any control over as mayor, uh, we have to try and build the housing to actually uh, deal with the situation. Um, the, I think that also comes down to having the uh, government be open to the public and, and the public being able to access their government and have their voice heard. So you talk about the, uh, the tenants feeling subordinate to these uh, associations and, and uh, not having their voice heard. And, and that's so common in everything we see in this city where uh, the people just don't have a voice and aren't uh, being represented properly and well by their government. And so with everything, I think we have to bring back the, the people's involvement and voice in this. Anybody else before we move on? And can uh, can I? Uh, are you, are we? Am I allowed to sort of yeah. interject here? Or yeah, it's it, uh, it's o- it's open floor. You can during during the open floor portion, you yeah. you can you can say so, and then we'll go to uh, Bahira, and then Kiri will finish us off, and then we'll go to the next category. All right. So yeah, I, I, all the all the um, uh, sort of issues well well said here. Uh, my solution is like I mentioned, uh, affordable housing that pays for itself. So how do, what does that really mean? It means basically that with the $1.8 billion bond, it's a loan that the, basically that we put in that's paid back as we build these houses. So I'm using AI and robotics to be able to make a factory to build 36,000 homes a year. So that means basically what happens now is that these homes are being built and then we're going to put them on the backyards of, of the land, the 243,000 uh, lots that qualify. Not everybody's going to want it. But what we ain't going to do is the ones that do want it, say maybe 40%, 50% or somewhere thereabouts, maybe even 30%. But we want to me- immediately have some access for people that want affordability. And then what happens is they actually end up owning the house. The people that actually go in the backyard, they will actually own the house because the interest from that particular bond goes to pay for that particular, those homes. So not what I'm doing now, I'm giving them ownership. That type of stuff, right? So, and then at the same time, the owner of the land, the, 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 uh, they are actually getting rent coming in. So that's kind of what I'm looking at. Sahira, go ahead. Yeah, so uh, like all the solutions are. I think you're frozen. <laughs> oh, there we go. Go ahead. Yeah. Yeah. So I was just saying that uh, I heard the very interesting uh, solutions from the legal perspective and uh, the 3D printing. So all those are very interesting solutions. So uh, what uh, I uh, like looking into the root causes of the problem and why we have uh, the, 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 the prices are getting high. Uh, one of the reasons is the development fees because the developers when uh, like the, they take the pieces of land and then there are uh, expenses hidden expenses that we we need to pay for when we buy our homes so one of the uh, suggestions i'm proposing is that the city uh, will um, uh, start building like on the pieces of land they have they will uh, have their own uh, corporation, and then they will build affordable homes. So we will cut uh, those development fees. 
Another thing is the material costs uh, that uh, contribute to the, uh, the elevated prices, uh, the construction material. So we need to look into uh, having more local uh, materials and uh, uh, making uh, more affordable and uh, in, in improving the cost of material by using like recycled materials. And also uh, we need to uh, find out of the box uh, solutions, uh, building methods, new building methods and new ideas. 3D printing could be one of them. And there are lots of uh, new technologies that we need to incorporate into buildings. Um, another uh, point that I wanted to add about regarding the, uh, uh, the school board and the TDSB schools. And uh, I, I believe that we need to work together. It shouldn't be, some, uh, there should be a collaboration because we have lots of areas, uh, schools that are abandoned and uh, that are not uh, efficiently utilized. So we can co cooperate with the school board and start uh, housing for uh, the uh, families that have uh, children and then they can have affordable homes. Uh, re relate, uh, my answer related to uh, rent, uh, renting and the challenges that uh, people who are renting uh, that uh, have right now. So we, we need to uh, help uh, to uh, uh, using legislations uh, to uh, increase uh, of the rent and also do some I think you might be frozen again. Um, let's let's move on. If you come back, you can finish your your point in the next section. Um, Kiri, I know you wanted to say something, so why don't you go ahead, and then we're going to move to our next uh, our, our next category. Oh, thanks, Matt. And uh, you know what? Uh, when the housing uh, housing uh, crisis is very close to me, and it's kind of personal. So when I did hear answers that I found, I thought were really out of touch with the reality, I really want to highlight it. First of all, last year, 187 people died in Toronto without care, and they were all homeless people. And we live in one of the richest cities in the world, and we cannot let that happen. And that happened, and that's one of the reasons we are advocating. We, I formed a tenant organization within my building, and we are working with so many tenant organizations throughout the city to save those lives. And when we have those lives losing, we cannot be here in complicit, say, oh, tenant and landlord have equal play, play round, and, you know, maybe it's a responsibility of the provincial, provincial uh, government. No, it's, it's, a, it's, a, it's the housing crisis is directly under the controls of, of city, and city can handle many issues even before going to the province. So first of all, oh, there's, there's no reason to have 15% of uh, uh, livable space vacant when people are dying. So those vacant spaces need to be expropriated and need to be put into the market. That is the immediate solution. Long-term solution, city must get involved in, in building housing, building corporate housing. That is the real solution. And, uh, and right now, Finland is in, in on path to solve homeless crisis by the first country in the world to solve homeless crisis by 2027. Why? Because they see homelessness as a as their social problem not as a crime problem they are not overfunding police and underfunding uh, underfunding the knee basic needs and that's where we need to focus on uh, this it really gets me going all the time because i whenever i see the tenant being attacked or being being you know 
uh, as accused of you know uh, playing around with the system no it's a completely completely a capitalist system that destroys our society we have no economic democracy as candidates we all have obligation to know what's going on in our city and that's when we can speak if we cannot speak for those who need the voice there's no reason for us to put our name and run forward i'm sorry i mean this is my frustration no no it's, know. Yeah. It, it's it's all good uh okay we're gonna move on to our next category for that i turn it over to jennifer uh from the etobicoke voice go ahead jennifer and you can pick who you want to ask the question to i am to actually ask Oh, hello. So I. Uh, no, no, no. Ask Nia first. Okay. So, my questions are actually not going to relate. The first one to Nia is going to be. Okay. (laughs) It's about the strong mayor's power. I'm. I'm basically just going to ask if you are uh, mayor on June 27th and you're working with council and things are not working out. Do you strong mayor's powers? If, if it's required uh, for the uh, for the people of Toronto, uh, in other words, uh, you know, you mentioned there's a lot of a lot of uh, lobbyists and a lot of people that uh, trying to prevent change. Uh, not in my backyard type of situation. So you're trying to build these uh, community homes or you have affordability homes, and then you get pushback from from the very sort of uh, communities, and, uh, and so you never get any traction. So all that stuff has actually been resolved to some extent by uh, uh, Doug Ford because he basically put through legislation that that took the property and uh, from R1 to R2, right? So now basically people can build a second story. People can build, uh, put a uh, home in the backyard, that type of situation for it. Like, like we mentioned, if the kids want to sort of go to school, when they graduate, they actually have a place to live, right, for, for themselves. So depending what the situation is, uh, it's not a carte blanche thing. You want to make sure that you're moving it to help the people with social needs, special needs, and financial needs. Thank you. Um, sorry, uh, Jennifer, you cut off there. I didn't know who you were asking the question to, but I, I thought I heard the name uh, Nia Singh. So I'm going to throw it to Nia to answer that question. Yes, thank you. Um, Jennifer, that's an extremely hard question. and And the reason why is I don't believe in the strong mayor powers in the sense that council has been been manipulated in order to have a small amount of people control the entire city. Now, when you ask me if I were elected, would I use it? The reason why the question is hard to answer is because I don't know what the rest of council would be like in the sense of fairness and equity and if there was a decision that was put forward by a council member and I agreed with it, or if I put something forward that I saw would benefit the entire city. And for some reason, the rest of council was blocking it based on their ideology or some ulterior motive. I would, I'd be honest, I would be tempted to use it because if it's for the greater good of the city and the legislation is there, um, I wouldn't want to not utilize it out of principle and have the residents of Toronto suffer. So I don't even like saying this because, as I said, I don't like the fact that the strong mayor powers were created. But if I'm going to be honest with the viewers and Torontonians, I would definitely use the strong mayor powers if it was the decision between Torontonians suffering and I didn't use it. 
or benefiting and I, I would use it. Um, that's the honest truth. So I, I'm interested to hear what your feedback would be based on that answer. Thank you for, thank you for that. Uh, Jennifer, uh, did you have a second question for, um, uh, I you think it's do. Chris, Chris, and right? And I will go. Uh, Chris hasn't been asked. Yeah. So uh, on that same okay. question. No, no, no. Well, you, well, you'll you'll have a chance to address the strong mayor powers, but she also has a, a another question for you. And then after you're done speaking, we're going to open uh, the four minute debate floor again for anyone to speak. Excellent. All right. Go ahead, Jen. And so this. Okay, great. Thank you. So this one is actually about the TTC. So we're just trying to combine all the issues in as we can. So my question to you is: We all know that there's a lot of serious issues with the TTC right now. What actual steps would you take to make the city feel safer and make people riding the subway feel, or sorry, the TTC feel safer when they commute each day? Well, thank you for those questions. Um, the TTC, I'm, I look at, there's actually two issues with the TTC. There's safety and there's actual operations and just getting people around. So from a safety point of view, um, Part of that goes back to housing issues. And so we can't have uh, the current 10,000 uh, homeless people in shelters that we kick out after breakfast every morning and they have nowhere to go and they end up on the TTC. So we certainly need to house those people and, and we do that by getting a roof over their head and not having them in shelters. And uh, as an emergency stopgap, I'll do that by uh, building units in warehouses and vacant office buildings that apparently we're going to have lots of in the next uh, couple of decades. Um, but longer term for the TTC, um, I, the, I'm not happy with the current system of the fair enforcement officers and uh, gangs of guys going around in body armor and uniforms surrounding people and demanding that they prove they haven't uh, committed a crime. And so I will switch the fair enforcement teams over to plainclothes units, and uh, but they'll have to have probable cause to suspect that somebody hasn't paid their fare. Um, and as well, the operators of the vehicles will be enforcing fare payment. And if somebody hasn't paid, they'll tell those people to get off the bus, but they'll know, the drivers will know that there's potentially plainclothes people on the bus uh, there to enforce the issues. And as well, then those plainclothes uh, individuals, thank you, will be uh, will be there to deal with uh, any kind of problems that are actually happening, whether it's vagrants or, or violence or threats or anything. Uh, we see it all the time, and knowing that there may be plainclothes police or, or enforcement there will help deal with that. As to strong mayor powers, um, I will use them to reverse uh, John Tory's uh, budget and things like that, the $50 million to policing uh, increase um, if needed, although I suspect there'll be support there on the, uh, on the council to reverse that. Um, but as well in those uh, mayor powers are things like appointing the uh, senior staff. And uh, I will uh, continue to use that to give us the right people in those jobs because that isn't currently the case. But I will try to avoid using it for budget purposes, and instead we'll uh, look to have the uh, the budget be a, a consensus thing from all of uh, council. 
And now I open it uh, for the four minutes to the debate floor. Uh, Kiri's got his hand raised, so why don't we start with Kiri, and and we'll go from there. And and if you feel the need to interject, you you can do so. Yes, uh, uh, thanks, Matt. So I, I will touch on both points. Uh, we we have to understand uh, our uh, Toronto is is the is one of, uh, one of the biggest tech hub. I mean, the, it's a, the big city in the world now, and. What we have is a is a rancher system that is 200 years old, and what 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 is wrong with it right now? Well, the problem is uh, we we have the enforcement aspect of it. We think uh, you know poor people who don't have money should be paying money, and uh, that is that is a shame. And we have a climate crisis that needs to be addressed, and it's not even a policy priority in the city. And in order to address that, we came up, uh, Municipal Society Alliance came up with a program that make public transit free, just like it works in uh, in Europe. And what's going to happen is that that's going to encourage people to get onto the bus. And instead, what we are doing as a city, we are going after bicyclists. We are talking, we are we are ticketing bicyclists, and we are uh, we are ticketing. Uh, if you forget to pay a fare in the TTC, it's over four hundred dollars. And if you pay, if you don't pay a parking fee, that's that's thirty dollars. Where's the common sense? I think I think we have completely the democracy is the capitalism is is eating every part of our democracy. This, there will be no democracy in this capitalist system. That's why I advocate for socialist policy, which everybody is 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 is, is online on on kitty-bodywell.ca. So for complete details for everybody to read through, that those are the solutions. We are not right uh, looking for an electoral just a simply electoral victory. We are looking for a transform our city for the future, and that's a, a, a transportation front. On the community front, we know. I mean, on the, on the housing side, we know that housing is a human right, but it still is a profit-making commodity. And that needs to change. As a city who has the control over the lands, can do so many things. And that's one of them is to declare housing as a human right. And those are, those are one of the immediate solutions. And then going forward, that uh, to address, address a lot of the issues in the city that is not being looked after through, uh, through um, um, economical justice point of view. There's a, there's a couple of uh, major uh, elephants in the room. One of the things is that the city of Toronto is $1.5 billion over budget. The second issue is basically you got 400,000 people coming into the country every year, maybe 200, 300,000 legal, and the rest is illegal. So where are they gravitated to? They're coming to the GTA or Toronto area or, or Montreal, whatever. So you got this influx coming in all the time. So you're never going to get on top of the game of affordable housing. When you got that many people coming in and when you don't have the space basically to accommodate them. So my solution is basically redirect all, all the immigrants coming in into what I call smarter villages, which are outside of Toronto. So we I will build uh, what I call smarter villages, net zero hydroponics villages out there, three to five thousand homes. So that's what we built to redirect them. They would learn trade, English, et cetera, and, and they would be there for about three years before they can move. That's one way for sort of trying to get on top of the affordable housing thing and also be sociably accommodating for the people. The same same thing when you're looking at trying to looking at the TTC, I would get rid of the TTC. I basically look at the way the TTC is, it's 100 years old or more. So I'm, I would revamp that. There's 14,000 people working at the TTC. There's roughly uh, a streetcar, $6 million a pop. I'm bringing that in 22nd century. I'm going to bring in Tesla. Uh, autonomous robo shuttle buses and robo taxis. I'm going to buy 3,000 basically robo taxis and 2,000 shuttle buses. And you're going to have door to door services pick up just like an Uber. So it's a TTC Uber. It's going to be the same cost basically as a TTC. 
So you got to look at how you can get around that and get rid of the streetcars, get rid of the, all the sort of uh, uh, tracks and things like that, the maintenance that they do, and, sh- and shift the people over from TTC into being sort of the chauffeurs, ambassadors for the TTC robotaxis. That's one one solution that I'm looking at. Harry, you can interject if you like. Yeah, so I want to say that uh, the, the immigrants uh, that uh, Canada is bringing in, uh, they are actually major uh, part of the economical development. So we don't bring immigrants to help them or to take care of them. It's completely the opposite. So they come here to buy homes, to uh, help in the uh, development of the country. So saying that we are going to put them in camps outside of Toronto. Villages, smart villages. These are accommodate net zero hydroponics, geothermal heat. No, no, that's completely, I heard, I heard what you said, but it, uh, it sounds to me like putting them away uh this Wait, is where, not... where? <laughs> they're coming from some... no no because uh, because this uh, uh this it means that uh, uh you uh, i i think you are not at the same page on the government policy why they bring them in so you you no, so I, I put I, it I, yeah I so it means that immigration it... used to be a business they were very... yeah so it is a business when it was 250,000 people coming in and you spent so, like four years to try to get here. It's too, it was you've made about three billion dollars. They brought with them at least. Now you get not only the illegal ones, but you've got now twice as many illegal. So we're not counting on that. They got to live somewhere. They're gonna they're gravitating, and so they're looking for shelter. They're looking for homes. So you got to deal with that situation. It's not what we wanted, but that's what it. Ha- what's the reality? And I, and because uh, I'm glad that you know about material science and things like that. No, so I, okay. So as, as an immigrant myself, yeah. I came here to do my PhD. There are many of those immigrants. They come as international students. They come with ideas and innovation and, and uh, power. And actually, one of the main reasons we are having problem that the country and the city of Toronto are not efficiently making benefit of this power that we have. So we have a treasure here and we are looking as if it is a burden. It is not a burden. The burden is the wrong decisions and the wrong strategy and the wrong management of the city that is not, and the racism, the racism that is now we are not capable of putting the right people in the right places. So this is uh, just my comment about uh, about this. Uh, my answer to the strong mayor power, I am uh, one of the people who believes in democracy and I highly respect the democracy and, and freedom. And we have to be very... Uh, 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 me myself, like if I am someone who uh, wants demo- democracy and respect it, I have to uh, be uh, doing this in any uh, of my roles. So if I become a mayor of Toronto, I will be very democratic. I will never use uh, strong mayor powers because this is dictatorship, and we don't want bring. We don't, we don't want to bring dictatorship in our city because this way we are declining and we are going in the wrong direction and it is very dangerous to 
to be uh, going this way. So this is but my. I yeah. agree. I agree. So, but, but, but if it wasn't for Master Phil, we wouldn't have democracy because we're have now all of us have a chance to say a few words, except for the mainstream media that shuts us out. Go so ahead, Nia. Yeah, I just wanted to know here, what if the majority of city council wanted to introduce legislation that was discriminatory, like they did in Montreal with uh, religious headwearings? And you, mayor, had the power to override it with your strong mayor powers. What would you do? Uh, no, I, uh, from my observations, from what I have seen from the city council, the minority of the councillor uh, councillors are going in the wrong direction but the majority of the councillors they are fair and they are representing people and uh, and this is why this re- legislation was passed because right, but that's they not my, know that's not my question okay, my question okay. is based no, 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 on... i will answer your question just yeah. this is an introduction or my understanding of how i can see it so if the majority of the councillors were working in the direction that the province want and the wrong direction that they want. They wouldn't have done this legislation. But uh, the legislation is actually formed in order to um, impose a certain... So uh, for me, I will be okay if the majority say, uh, this is we don't want this, I will be okay because this is this is how... We we need to respect the the the, the majority of the people, right? Okay. This, so you're yeah. saying you would, even you if would it allow is it. against my own uh, belief or my own needs, I am someone who represents the people. I'm not gonna impose on them my own ide- ideology or my own thought, or I will uh, I will guide them in a direction they they don't want. And this is how democracy works. This is the power of the people. The people need to, to have uh, power and to have authority, and we have to respect that. Okay, I just okay. want to hear from Kiri, Kiri real quick, and then we're going to go to the, the final category. Go ahead, Kiri. Uh, yes, uh, on that uh, strong mayor powers, I think uh, it's, it's very clear with we put forward in the, in, the, in the program. We are against strong mayor powers at all costs. We, we believe in democracy. And democracy has been, uh, you know, destroyed by the capitalist system. Why? Because the people with the few, the few with uh, all the wealth, they destroyed our city hall. Now our city hall is run by corporations, not by working people. So there's no working class people leading the city, and there's no uh, no advocacy uh, for 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 our communities. So what what a strong mayor is is like on on one point that I agree with Bakira pointed out. It, it's a, it's a danger to democracy, and it's a it's a completely a wrong thing to advocate for. So we have it in on policy. It's not in words, but we have it in our program. We will we will oppose any any strong mayor powers at at any time, and that is MSA stands for. Or that we we are very very direct about it, and Thank we believe in democracy, and that's why. Thank you. Thank you so much. Uh, we're going to move to our final category. I do want to before I start reading the questions, I do want to again recognize. Uh, Jennifer Alexander of the Etobicoke Voice. She wrote all these questions, guys. Uh, uh, Phil and I have had busy weeks with the, you know, school or not school, but work. And uh, so thank you again so much to to Jennifer for actually wording these questions and, and helping us out. And, and that's uh, one of the big reasons that we're co-hosting. She's just so smart. So 
thank you again. And I, uh, I would encourage you guys to, to thank her as well at some point, but let's get on with it. Um, my first question, uh, I'm, I'm going to actually ask uh, Nia. And my second question, I'm going to ask Bahir. Um, Nia, my first question is, uh, schools have been trying to help feed kids, or sorry, schools have been trying to help feed kids in schools as it is difficult to succeed on an empty stomach. Food banks are being used more than ever, and uh, and many have, deci- have to decide between rent or groceries. The TDSB has a huge budget shortfall this year uh, due to the provincial government underfunding. What would you do? What would the city do under you as mayor to help support feeding kids in this city? So there's an alarm going off in the background. It might distract from my answer, but I will try. Um, what I would do, first of all, is make sure. Is, is it distracting, that noise? No, I don't even hear it. Okay, perfect. What I would do is first introduce in school, reintroduce home ec. Um, I grew up in the era where we had shop class and we had a home economics and it taught students how to cook various meals and it was very um, beneficial. What I find now is we rely as a society on pre-prepared foods way too often, frozen foods, and the majority of kids coming up aren't taking the initiative to learn how to cook for themselves. When we cook for ourselves and we buy basic groceries such as rice, pasta, onions, cabbage, carrots, the essential elements of cooking, we can save a lot of money. But if the home ec program is operating in schools, there could be a breakfast program where the students themselves are learning through teachers how to cook their own food. So that would actually um, reduce the cost in a big way. Um, What I also find is is very important in choosing between rent and groceries, um, it then comes back down to the province and how the province is made it very difficult for Torontonians to advance. Um, Getting portions of our tax dollars back that we give out to the rest of the country would be one of the steps that I would want to see us take in order to get things done better. But I think uh, ultimately it's the home ec and teaching kids how to cook for themselves. And even it's not limited to children because when recipes are shared with families, the families themselves, maybe the mother and father aren't cooking the way traditional families have cooked and maybe they're buying too much so i think that's the key into reducing our food costs and helping to supplement the rent 30 seconds yeah okay never mind yeah i'll I'll, I'll let the time go uh, so other people can so we can keep moving (laughs) okay uh and and behir my question to you is the city has declared a homelessness crisis in toronto what is your plan to tackle this very serious issue go ahead Yeah, so this uh, very serious issue, it it needs to to get to an end uh, in a city with all this powerful economy. We need to take care of our most vulnerable people. So we are going to apply uh, as to to look into uh, the cities around the world that ended homelessness or worked on ending homelessness. And uh, what they have done is to... uh, to, uh, 
to build homes, not temporary shelters for the homeless people so they can completely have a new change in their life. They have, uh, they should have an address, they should have a new life, they should have jobs. So we need to uh, provide a budget for the uh, ending homelessness and uh, to uh, get the contribution of the developers of all those who are building uh, skyscrapers to contribute to end this uh, uh, homelessness uh, problem. If uh, there is a policy that we need to, uh, to to implement or to start, we are gonna do that, but it can never, and also raising uh, the tax development taxes for the uh, multi-million dollar uh, uh, homes to help uh, those homeless people to, to get uh, into shelters or not not sheltered uh, uh, homes we need to build homes for them thank you thank you and and now the floor is open anyone can jump in and and uh, uh, address the questions I asked okay so hey I think we should let um, personally I think we should let Chris begin yeah absolutely I, I don't think he's been uh, asked for a bit uh, I'm sorry Chris I apologize Go ahead. Well, thank you, Phil, and thanks, Matt. Um, and, and thank you, Jennifer, for, for, for her hard work writing these questions. Um, in, in terms of, uh, of feeding the, the people, I think, uh, you know, the, the problem is the cost of food. It's it's great idea, Nia, to train them how to cook it, but uh, you have to have the food to be able to cook it. And uh, so I think what we need to do is look at uh, the old... Uh, method of having community gardens and uh, certainly we have uh, areas where we do have space especially out here in Scarborough and, and Etobicoke and, and North York uh, where we can look at uh, having some of those uh, I know there's been issues where they've uh, the people having gardens set up have talked about security there so we need to address that uh, cameras there and and uh, things like that to make sure that people aren't just getting their hard work ripped off but um, it's something that uh, worked in the olden days in lots of European countries, and uh, it can certainly work here. But looking at some of the earlier points here, we had uh, Ernie talking about having people uh, being forced to be outside the city and uh, not being allowed to move around. But of course, the Canadian Charter of Rights and Freedoms, one of the rights in there is the right to free movement. So without a uh, charter, and I said re redirected people from uh, moving around. Um, and uh, so there, that's also not an issue that is uh, under municipal jurisdiction. So unless you're going to, you plan on as mayor telling the province or the federal government in this case, what to do, uh, you're going to have as much luck as you have telling uh, Doug Ford what to do. Um, those simply aren't things that are going to uh, work. Well, I'm, first of all, uh, I said redirect, and I'm talking about uh, the yeah. refugees that are coming in here illegally. So we're, we're processing them, so we have to deal with that. So we And there are double the number of refugees, though, that we have up compared to regular... I will. Uh, you have to work with the federal government and the provincial to be able to do that so they don't come into the city. Okay, so we have some space, some time to deal with the people that have the problems in the city. That's one aspect of it. So the next aspect, uh, if you want to take a look, I said I'm going to build affordable housing and smarter villages. 
So what on other people's land, I know. And, and you think no, that there's going to be people that want to give up the backyards and that the money you're going to create from rent is going to pay not only for these people, for, for the people that have to give up their backyards, they but don't it's have all to give it up. You want some money? You want, you want $100 or you want $500, $800? We can put a unit in the backyard. Then you'll get some income. It's like an Airbnb or whatever. Would you give up your backyard for a hundred dollars? I don't know anybody that would. No, a thousand dollars. Right? So it'd have to be thousands of dollars. And we have that already in this city where we have permitted backyard units that people are allowed to build houses. So now you have, but you don't build the houses uh, because you got a problem with the building permits. The building permits basically make it difficult to put the units in the back. And absolutely, there's a problem with the city's permitting division and department, and, and we've all seen the emails going around among us candidates right. that we've been dealing with the problems for the build teams. But that isn't where you don't solve that by saying, well, I'm going to build mega factories and, uh, and force the people not to you live in the vision, city. You've got to have but, a vision uh, for the city. You've got to have the vision for the city that allows you to, a uh, uh, big scale, to move and solve the problems. They're basically the a vision for the city wants to be not you telling people where they can live. Here you um, can jump in. I said revamp. <laughs> uh, uh, thank you, guys. If I could inject uh, something. Yeah. First of all, there's no such a thing as illegal immigrations. We are what? standing on a stolen land. This land what? belongs to the people, right? This is a colonized land we live in. So first, you know, before we say illegal immigration, we need to stop invading and we need to stop colonizing other countries. Have we stopped bombing other countries? No. So we shouldn't be talking about illegal immigration. There's no such a thing as illegal immigration. So until the colonization stops. Um, so the second thing is uh, we need to look at from many point of view. Right now we have a housing crisis. People are dying. But how many tenants are in the city hall making decisions on behalf of people who are uh, tenants? I could, say, I could tell you zero. So how come our, 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 our housing policies can be fair? So we need to have fair representation at the city hall. I mean, that point that Bahiro responded, I mean, I think I understood it pretty quite well, but also there's another layer to it. Capitalism is the biggest, biggest roadblock. Look, we had a black police as a chief of police and crime, violent crime is up. And nothing, you know, our police budget is up. Our society is really unsafe now. So did the race play any factor? No. The capitalism will destroy humanity. And that's why we need to advocate for policies to, to protect humanity and to protect our environment. So there's no justice without peace. I mean, there's no peace without justice. So that's why we need to stop going against these, these you know, these, uh, these oppressed groups that we continue to target. Look at, look at how our policies work. We are going after cyclists because we think they're a problem. No, no. We need to stop targeting cyclists. We need to allow more, cycle, more cyclists to be traveling in the city because, again, where, where's our environment is heading? We shouldn't rely on personal, uh, personal vehicle to run for it. That, we need to fund our transportation system in a way that is people don't need cars. Look what's happening when you advocate for cars. Insurance companies get rich. So in the end, our people, our people of Toronto get screwed up all the time. Why? Because, because the money is going into the hands of few who is making decisions. And again, we have to look at this, this, uh, this issue from a multi-dimensional point of view. That's why we have our program 
you know, our, our program is almost not, 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 not longer than 15 pages, but it actually is a, one of the most comprehensive program out of 102 candidates we have. And guess what? Um, anybody who reads it will find it very, very liberating to see it. And it's a realistic program. It can be achieved today. I like that. And the reality is we know that nowhere in the world has socialism ever worked. It's always failed, and all those countries have seen uh, crime and, and uh, mistreatment of the people there increase. Uh, there, there is no uh, country in the world that wasn't colonized. Everywhere you, you look at has, has been colonized back and forth at different times in history. And so what we need to do is treat everybody fairly, and certainly where there's... Uh, indigenous people being mistreated, we need to deal with that, but we can't turn around and say, well, you know what, the, the people that uh, built this city and, and actually built the buildings and the trillions of dollars of infrastructure suddenly just have to turn that over because uh, somebody else uh, was here and wasn't able to defend it. Do you think that other people and other countries wouldn't come in to take it if the indigenous people weren't here by themselves simply living here, then the Canada would either be part of the Americas or it would be part of Russia or uh, China right now. So that, your ideas simply don't work in reality, Siri, and, and I think everybody so knows that. I, 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 I just, uh, I didn't see him saying, uh, like, I think there is such a misunderstanding. So I, uh, my understanding to what he mentioned, or uh, generally speaking, my personal view is that what we need to do actually is to respect the charter of rights and freedoms and to respect everything that we are calling for. So we are saying that Canada is a democratic country and we have, uh, we respect and th there shouldn't be discrimination. There shouldn't be racism uh, based on all ground of discrimination. And this doesn't work. There is discrimination against Muslims, against indigenous people, against uh, disabled people. And the, the justice system is not working. So we have to start by justice and by respecting our human rights and freedoms. And uh, I, we need to understand that this discrimination, when it, it is working this way, we are paying the price. Everybody, we are... It is affecting our economy. It is, it is affecting everything in the city. So this is one thing. The other thing that, uh, yes, we uh, yes, there, there are people who uh, have uh, like wealth in this in the country, and they make the effort. Again, the, uh, just a, just a second. Just to, I want to just express my point of view. We ne no one should take out the wealth of anyone this, this is the right but we have to make our wealth in an ethical way and we have to respect the rights of people like for example let's let's uh, set an example for telecommunication we have the highest uh, bill for the phone around the world and again, those aren't municipal issues. So no, this is, let's this talk about what's happening that's under our control as mayors. And so where do you see racism happening widespread in Toronto? We see acknowledgement by Toronto police, and there's certainly no, 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 lots no, no. of issues yeah, like So you're saying that, that the mayor has 
nothing to do with that. that everything's racist and, and that's the only problem in this city and that no, all we I have didn't to say do is I didn't say that just, this is the only problem I said okay so let me uh, elaborate more about this no, uh, yeah but uh, like I, I I understand what you're trying to say and and the principles are very very uh, noble and uh, but at the same time we have to look at how we can take those principles and, and provide the dignity that you've talked about for people with affordable housing. You know, and, and Jennifer's question, basically, that I, I, I suggested with Jennifer, and thank you for all those questions, uh, but uh, when you asked about the food for the schools, one of my, my every house that we build in, in the mega factory will have hydroponics. And I propose that all the, all the uh, schools in Toronto actually have a hydroponic uh, units so that they feed everybody that's in the school that type of stuff so hydroponics is the way to go and same with uh, with affordable housing you have a hydroponic unit although it's a small unit but you can get your own produce because a head of lettuce basically is seven bucks and cabbage i mean uh, cauliflower is like eight dollars and things like that so we got to get uh, over the food cost by growing your own as you were saying and I just want to clarify a couple of things before we close. Um, I know Chris was saying that food prices have gone up, so we have to worry about that even if we're going to cook it. But um, it's dairy and meat that are the increased and the prepared foods are, are are really high. That's why I'm saying reliance on the basic elements like potatoes, rice, pasta, that will definitely save money. And then to the point that um, Kiri and Bahira made about um, they wouldn't use the strong mayor powers, and I respect that because I wouldn't want to either. But you did it under the premise that we are in democracy. And I just want you to acknowledge that we're not living in a democracy. Um, we know by this election, it's not democratic because we don't have the choices of having all the available options. And we know that the message. So we have to recognize that this is an oligarchy. This is um, wealthy people controlling how we receive information and what happens. So at this stage in our society, um, all the people who want fairness will have to utilize the, the tools available to them to protect people. And like I said, I, I'd be prepared to do that. So I just want to clarify those two points for you. Thank you so much. Um, I think we should move into uh, the closing statements. And so, um, you know, two minutes. And uh, so you can clarify any anything that was left unsaid. Um, let's go. Let's start with uh, Kiri. And then we'll we'll hear from Bihira. And then Irwin, and then Chris, and then we'll we'll finish it off with uh, with Nia Curie. Uh, go ahead, the floor is yours. It's um so uh, it's a really good debate, and different different angles are different perspectives, and I really value all of them. Uh, some of them I agree more than others, but others uh, you know I, I do really disagree. Uh, I think that's that's where the democracy comes in. And first, we need to see from my point of point of view that from our program, I have municipal socialist alliance program that uh, we are against capitalist system that continue to exploit workers, keep people oppressed, and rules in work works for the few. And that's why we advocate, I, mean, I advocate for uh, social, economical, um, social, economical, and political democracy. And for those points, uh, for those, uh, for, in order for those, those to actually function, we, we have to re- remove the capitalist aspect of it. We have to bring in a participatory budget process where people have direct input on where the money is going to be spent on and what's going to happen. So uh, that's why that we say no strong mayor powers, but instead, uh, instead a participatory budget process. And in order to address the crisis, we have to, uh, in terms of addressing the bigger crisis, for example, housing, mental health, 
around it. These are big issues our city is facing. And we had to prepare our city to other big cities in the world because other cities are not going to wait until Toronto is going to catch up. We, we need to put our city forward. And for, to put it forward in a way that we need to make sure that our, you know, our, we are not depending on, our, on personal vehicles and we need, to, we need to remove that gardener because that is doing no good and it's only wasting our money. Remove that gardener, make it a blowout and make, make a bike friendly city where people can get around and make public transit reliable so people don't even need personal vehicles in the first place. seconds, Gary. Sure. Um, so, yes, uh, it's, uh, housing is, is, a, is a real crisis right now. We need to uh, angle it from many different point of view. What we're going to do today, which expropriate vacant spaces. And second, make housing is a human right. Third, expropriate and landlords because housing is a housing is a not a housing is not a profit making commodity. It's a basic need. So those things need to be addressed in in a in a so in a socialist solutions. That's what I propose. Socialist solutions. Thank you. Thank you. Go ahead, uh, Behira. Behira. Behira, you're on mute. Sorry. Yeah, so I, I just want to say that we need, uh, like, uh, we, we uh, in, like, in Toronto, we have all types of thoughts and backgrounds, and we have uh, different cultures. So we need to work all together as one team, forget about our differences, and uh, respect uh, our, uh, like, uh, principles and uh, support each other as a one team uh, about uh, uh, demolishing the gardener or uh, increasing the bike lanes or all those debates that are uh, going on i am surprised about each mayoral candidate who is making such a major engineering decision without a background without engineering background those are engineering projects we, uh, uh, we have transportation professionals we have engineering professionals we have they are on the highest level of professionalism they are using the most advanced technologies in our universities and educational academic institutions we have to utilize them to take the decision we have to make knowledge-based decisions because all those major decisions have extremely huge impact on our economy so those decisions have to be, uh, uh, we, we need economical feasibility studies. Uh, for, 30 and, seconds, Bahira. Yeah, okay. Uh, so um, uh, we need to develop partnerships, collaborations. We have to stand up with our vulnerable people, uh, uh, support uh, the uh, affordable housing initiatives and uh, uh, try to end up racial discrimination and respect the rule of law and to empower minorities, environmental protection and green belt. We have to respect the protecting our environment and protecting the public access for all uh, spaces uh, and uh, to protect uh, like to work with uh, the other organizations like protecting healthcare system, work with the, the school board to empower yeah. the education and our uh, children and to support our safety and security. Thank you so much. Thank you so much. Erwin, go ahead. You know, I have a vision. It's the same type of vision I had when I decided to climb Mount Everest. Everest, you can see that. You can actually, and then you know exactly how, how many feet you have to get there. 
Likewise, I have a vision for Toronto. I'm looking at basically what I what can I can do, what I can bring to the city, so that five or six years down the road, we actually solve the problem. So I put together this affordable housing situation. I know it's uh, because I'm in affordable housing and robots and basically 3D printing and all that stuff. So I know affordable, affordable housing for our factory built. So I'm basically looking at how can I utilize my experiences and bring that in forefront. And I don't ex expect me to do it by myself or tell people what to do. You got to bring a coalition. That's why I said at the beginning, a co-op coalition. Okay, as a coalition, we then deal with the government and private sector so that we are able to get the funding. So we're not because we're, we're on one and a half billion dollars in debt. So we're going to have to go on it. Well, we got to do it ourselves. So we pay that back in 12 years. In the meantime, we go flat out and be able to build out those homes and fix the homes that we already have. And at the same time, because you've got the problem with the huge influx of people coming in, you redirect them. You're not telling them to go there. You basically, you're coming in the country, if you're an illegal re refugee, whatever, you bring them out to a, a place where they can learn something and it's, it's similar to get in. So that's what I'm looking for. Same with 30 seconds, Erwin. How much? Can I, can I get uh, more time? 30 seconds. Okay, anyway. Oh, uh, yeah. What I want to do is also do the same thing with the TTC. I want to bring that into the 22nd century. We're going to be talking about the bike lanes and all that. We have the sort of autonomous car taxis and all that. And they have door to door service for senior children, women at risk, and all that type of thing. So that's what we're going to do. And we're going to save a billion dollars. Same with greenhouse gas. There's 900 tons of garbage going out. I want to lower that, gasify that, and basically get uh, the uh, fuel cells working so you have able 60,000 homes by, by the fuel cell, be able electricity, right? So that's where I know. So, Erin Snedgen, vote for me on the 26th. And thank you, Jennifer, and everybody else for making this all happen. It's a fun time in Toronto. Thank you so much. Chris, the, the floor is yours, my friend. Thank you, Matthew. Um, so, the we have to look back at it wasn't that long ago that Canada was a world leader. And that was based on our capitalist society, but it was also based on having a good solid democracy. And uh, unfortunately that has uh, been reduced over the years. And uh, so that is, I think the primary thing we need to focus on is making sure that the public's voice is actually being heard and involved in our, uh, in our government and in the decisions we're making. We have people, for example, one of these uh, discussions is personal vehicles and the idea that, oh, well, foreign countries uh, have, have uh, reduced their use of, of public vehicles and are, are switching more to, uh, to public transit. And we certainly need to promote public transit. And we do that by making it better and making it function well. But the reality is that the population density of Canada is nothing like most of the other countries in the world. We're the second largest country in the planet. We're 39th in population on the planet. And we have one of the lowest population densities overall. Even Toronto, our downtown core may have a high population density, but the suburbs don't. And uh, the fact is that walking, biking, and, uh, and uh, taking public transit isn't always the right way. It certainly doesn't work if you're a family with kids and you're going grocery shopping and it's uh, the middle of February and you've got to go 15 or 20 minutes to the local store. You can't just say, oh, well, I'll get there eventually and we're not going to wait for, uh, for the uh, automated uh, self-driving cars to, to get us there. 30 seconds, Chris. Uh, 
All right, thanks, uh, Bill. Um, so we need people's voice brought back. We need to build the right housing that we need. We need to house the homeless and, and build roofs over their head, not big apartments, not two and three bedroom apartments. We need to build rooms that uh, are cheap and that are affordable on their subsidized uh, incomes and their fixed incomes. Racism, that's certainly something we have to deal with, but we have to deal with it when the problems are identified. Where, there, where we see police having uh, being involved in it, then we need to deal with that. We need to eliminate things like carding, um, but we can't just say that, well, everything is a racist problem and that the most diverse city in the, in the planet uh, is, is a great racist uh, place that, where everybody else is suffering, and that's our big problem. So please go to mayorfirst.ca and check out my uh, my proposal, my button, and uh, vote for Chris Langenfeld in four more weeks. Thank you so much, my friend. And now, uh, Nia Singh, the floor is yours. Thank you. Thank you for hosting this debate. Thank you, Jennifer, for the questions. Thank you, Philip, for assisting Matthew. And thank you to all the candidates that showed up and shared their ideas. Uh, I'm asking Torontonians to seriously think about the prospects of our future and the fact that we need a mayor that does know how to relate to all people, all walks of life, all races, religions, colors, ethnic backgrounds. And we need someone who can relate to all levels of society, be it whether it's somebody in the judiciary, in the police force, in academic circles, or in the arts community, or people who have experienced mental health challenges or low-income situations. Uh, my priority for the city is to address the homelessness, mental health, and safety. And I strongly believe that they're all interconnected. Um, when we can um, ensure our people have homes to stay in, we will reduce the mental stress that causes violence and that causes erratic behavior. Um, that is what the city needs. We need to make sure that we um, uphold and, and allow space for addiction uh, treatment centers. I find too often we're talking about the problem, but not the solution. And I think that with the, the education system, there's many things that we can do, such as institute school uniforms for public school, allow students to ride free on the TTC, and ensure that conflict resolution skills are first and foremost up front at schools and high schools and junior high schools, because we find some of the Random acts of violence in the city are related to territorial issues in certain neighborhoods, but the other aspects are all related to poverty, mental health, and homelessness. And if we want the city to be a safe city, we have to put the resources into it. If we don't, our property values will go down, and this will become another Detroit. So, so far, over the past decade, we've seen profits over people. As mayor of Toronto, I would bring people over profits and raise the quality of life for all Torontonians. So on June 26th, 30 seconds, Dan. thank you. On June 26th, please vote Nia Singh. And the advanced polls are from June 8th to 13th. You can join me on my walk across Toronto on June 10th. We'll be walking from Steeles and Young all the way down to Queens Key and Young. And last election, we did uh, Albion and Steeles to Rouge River Park. That was 47 kilometers in one day, 12 and a half kilometers. That's connecting Toronto. So vote Nia Singh. And remember, it's about the quality of life and humanity. Thank you. Thank you guys so much for coming on and, and, and doing this mayoral debate. We always love the civic engagement. Uh, I want to take another opportunity to thank Jennifer from the Etobicoke Voice, without which we would not be able to do this debate. So thank you so much. And of course, my buddy, my pal, my co-host, Phil, thank you so much. Um, 
and thank you to everyone that that came and and stated your positions um i hope for our listeners this clear uh it 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 creates a clearer picture come june 26th and thank you again thank you matthew philip and jennifer